Welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Ryan Keeling, and I'm the editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is a recording of a conversation I had with the Jersey Club artist Unique at Unsound Festival this past October. Unique's part of a wave of artists who have helped turn the highly localized Jersey club scene into a global concern. She was a very generous interviewee, and she gave me in the audience a really nice insight into the customs and context that make Jersey clubs so distinctive. As always, you can listen to our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Unique is up next. RA Exchange Unsound 2015. I'm um, excited to be joined by Sharice Gary or Unique. Hello. Uh, she's a key artist in the style known as Jersey Club. Over the last year or two, she's become an international ambassador for the scene. She's been known for her high energy DJ performances, part of the second wave of Jersey Club artists. It's kind of been helping to broaden things out, if you like. She's uh, playing this evening at Hotel Forum. I think you're in the second room. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, 4 a.m., so check that. Firstly, we ran a piece on Resident Advisor earlier mm-hmm. this year on Jersey Club, and um, one thing you said to us was that it wasn't until a couple of years ago that you'd kind of heard of the idea of a music festival. It had just recently come on your radar. So I wanted to ask, firstly, how your experiences of music festivals have been so far, and how your experience of Unsound has been so far. Well, the first music festival I went to was Mad Decent Block Party, Um, just because Philly is so close to us, and that's where I first got my experience of leaving New Jersey to play club music. I played Mad Decent Mondays with some of the Brick Bandits crew. They introduced me to, you know, a broader audience that liked our music. That was, like, the biggest thing I've ever saw. I never heard of a music festival until then. Since then, I've played a couple music festivals. I've played Afropunk, and now Unsound is my first European festival that I'm playing. And I went last night to check it out, and I love it. It's like a big melting pot of a whole bunch of different genres. I could definitely hear Jay-Z Club being you know, influenced in some of the songs and sets, which I think is dope. I had so much fun. <laughs> In terms of uh, framing our discussion, it's probably a good idea to start with, with Newark and with, with Jersey itself. So you grew up near to Newark. Yeah, still small live, town. Small town. You still live in the area, that's correct? Yeah, I do. So maybe start by talking a bit about what Newark is like. Okay. It's not the friendliest city. It's pretty rough, you know. It's getting better, but when I was a kid, it was... Yeah, it was crazy. And I feel like Jersey Club, we got our influence from Baltimore Club. And Baltimore Club got their influence from Juke, um, footwork music. Brick Bandits were the first ones to 
bring, you know, club music from these places to New Jersey and incorporate it in their own style, mostly with more vocal chops. That was our focus, you know, to take certain words and make clever loops out of them that catered to the dance floor. And they called it Brick City Club at first because it was just strictly in Newark, and Newark is called Brick City. Fourth, yeah, bricks, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And not the ones on the walls. So... um, I mean, would you say that um, did Newark feel like a musically engaged place when you were growing up? Was there lots of music around you? you yeah, and your, you we and definitely. Your friends, like, Newark is big on jazz. Like, we have, like, the number one, like, jazz radio station in the area. A lot of jazz singers come from out of Newark. I feel like that was an impact that house music, you know, house music derived from that, too. And... House music was such a big thing. Like, people from all over would come to our clubs, our after hours in Newark for that. And I feel like Jersey Club was just, like, the new age of that impact that house music had on the area. It was just for the kids. It wasn't for, like, the teenagers and the grown-ups. So this style of music, this local style of music, was yeah. on your radar from a very, very young age. Is that kind of yeah, what you Yeah, first say? it was Baltimore Club, but then that's when they started making Jersey Club. DJ Tamil who's like one of the legends that um, started creating Brick City, Jersey Club, used to make these mixtapes. And I would come home from school and go down and like hear the music on the block, like, what is this? And they're like, oh, like, you don't know about this? Like, this is how you got to do this dance. And um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get the CD, go home, practice. And some of the songs were cool. Some of them were perverted. My mom was like, I don't want you listening to that. Um, you know, but we would listen to it anyway. And... That's when we would throw parties just anywhere and everywhere we could get a place to, from like little, you know, boy and girl club centers to house parties, somebody's basement, a backyard, just wherever we could get our hands on and set up shop to have a party and like charge like a couple of dollars for like little rent money, school money. We were young, like 14, being like little party promoter entrepreneurs. (laughs) <laughs> in what form would you uh, like get the music? Were you buying on CD? Yeah, we would buy them on CDs. And then that's when, you know, it was funny because it was just Brick Bandits at first. Then a couple of DJs would, you know, sprout about like Little Man and Frosty. They were mostly like the ones that were really in charge of like the teen scene when it came to parties. And they wouldn't want to give any of the younger kids any music. So they're like, man, they're being mad stingy with tracks. You know, I just don't want to be playing a CD at the party. That's whack. So they started making their own club music. And that's where it started from, like, J-Hood and Natus and Slank to start making their own tracks. Tamil and Dollar were being stingy. They were like, nah, y'all can't play our stuff. You know, y'all got to book us to have us play, you know? So, yeah, because yeah. presumably you could only get the music in like a, a mixed format. Yeah, in right? a mixed yeah. format. We were like, nah, that's whack. Can you just be playing a CD? I'm not about to pay for that. Like, you know? <laughs> Try to explain to us what the vibe was like in these situations where you've got a bunch of like 14-year-old kids kind of like learning dance moves and throwing themselves <laughs> around to this like local style of music. Like, uh, paint a picture for us. Okay. Dark. No light. <laughs> That's why I like it here, because it reminds me of, like, that time, you know? Sometimes parties now in America are, like, so bright. It's like, I don't want to see you. Um, Yeah, so it was dark, like, just a bare room, because it was all about just dancing, you know? Sweaty, because it probably wasn't a proper club with, like, ventilation, just some hall 
or like a basement, like I say, and um, loud music coming from like whoever's speaker system we could get our hands on, whether it was good quality or bad quality, and just dance all night until like maybe the cops would be like, yeah, like you guys are mad young, you gotta go home. Because we really didn't have curfew then like they do now. And yeah, just different like club, like we would play hip hop, you know, like what was popular, but like club was the highlight of the party. And like once it came on, like kids used to, you know, girls would grab boys, take them against the wall, or like break out and like pop locking, or girls just used to like booty bounce. Like it was crazy and it was so much fun. Because the neighborhood, our environment is not the best. And like I said, at the time when I was younger, it was way worse than it is now. I feel like it was kind of an escape from like those harsh realities we had to deal with, you know, like with such and such, you know, passing away or like, you know, school budgets being cut or, you know, things like that. So that's why I felt like club music was always like our escape. Like, I don't have to worry about anything right now. I'm about to go to this party and worry about dancing with him tonight. And that was that. Yeah, because I'd heard that Brick Bandits had some strict rules for their parties. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even for their street teams. Once club music started getting really popular, that's when, like, it was, like, I'll call it the golden era of, um, like, Jersey Club. For us, we would have street teams popping up everywhere. First it was Brick Bandits, and Brick Bandits was strictly thrown parties. That's when, you know, DJ Little Man who was known for numerous line dances, would create his street team, and his was called The Movement, and then this DJ created this street team, and then like all the younger kids, Slink had a collective before he had cartel music. So when you say uh, street team... Street team is like a party promotion team. It's a bunch of kids, different ages, all throughout high school, and what we did is we were just all friends, and we were just like, okay, we're gonna call ourselves this. I had a team, it was called Vixen. And it was girls, because it, no, it was always boys and girls, or just all boys. I was like, we need all girls. So I would take them. Some girls would be dancers. Some girls would be strictly promoters. I was the DJ. And we would just you know, pay dues. We used to pay dues, like maybe $2 a week, $5 a week. And we would all use it to rent a hall or you know, just get a space. And like, this is what we're going to use to throw a party, promote it, and have people come. And that's what was going around all around the city. First it was just Newark, then it happened all around Jersey. And yeah, Brick Bandits had strict rules though. They were like, nah, you have to have like this great average and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I they wanted they the kids checking. bring positivity, more positivity to like, you know, the neighborhood. So, yeah, like checking people's report cards and yeah. specifying they can't be in a gang and such like. Yeah. Brick Bandits have obviously already come up a lot so far, uh, maybe you could explain like why these guys and well, kind of maybe still are so important. Um, because they set the tone, and without them, you know, we wouldn't maybe be here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Also, Tamil was the first to branch off and travel to different places. He came to Europe, and when he came here, we were just like, wow, like he went to Europe for Jersey Club? Like, nah. And Tamil was a little older too at the time. He wasn't as young as me, Slink and um, Nadesar. So we were just like, well, he's grown. Like, you know, he's been out here and he made it. So like, we get it. But then, you know, when Slink went and Slink was like my age, I was like, wait, hold up. You going to Europe? <laughs> and then Nadis went to Australia. I'm like, wait, you're going to Australia? He's like, yeah, here's my flyer. I was like, wow, I need to do that. <laughs> I'm sick of being just in Newark, you know, because it got a little tired, you know, from just doing team parties as I grew older. 
and sweet 16s and, you know, like just small events around because you only got paid but so much. So it was definitely a hobby and like a labor of love type thing. And when the violence would break out, like it used to hurt us because they used to close venues because of it. So we didn't have as many spaces to throw events at anymore because they were like, no, it's too violent. This is a boys and girls club at the end of the day. You know, you guys, you know, no. And they just, after that, the city just started like not trusting no anybody. Like, no, we're not doing team parties anymore. So, yeah. I wanted to go back to that traveling thing. I mean, when you saw these guys like, you know, going to Europe, going further afield, mm-hmm. was this an immediate thing for you? It was like, I want to do this. I want to get out of here and I want to do it through music, you know, has this been like a long-term aspiration of yours? Yeah, when I was younger, I wanted to be a famous singer because I used to do like Broadway stuff, like Lion King, and I used to try out for stuff like that and dance. I wanted to be a dancer, but I injured myself really badly. So I was like, okay, can't do that. So when I took up DJing, I was just like, this is definitely like dope. Like if I could get to that level, like I'll try to. So... Yeah, I just started following Natus and Slink around New York City. And like, where are you going? You got a gig there? I'm going there. Like, take me. Like, list me. And, you know, I was younger than them. I was younger than Slink. So once I turned 21, I was like, it's over. I'm out here. Like, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> what initially got you behind the decks? Like, what would you say was your key inspiration? Like, what, what made you turn that corner? Well, I was always some party girl. I was always the one in the middle of the dance floor. And my ex was a DJ. He used to roll with DJ Little Man. So I was just like, damn, it's never no girl DJs. And at the time, K-Swift had already passed. And she was like one of the first to make like a major impact. She's from Baltimore. Some will call her the queen of club. And her songs are still very legendary to this day. And she was like the first one to really branch off and take it to the next level. But she passed, so it was just no girls around. And I was like, it's never no girls. Y'all always want us to dance, you know? And I was just like, that's crazy. I want to learn. So he's like, really? And I was like, yes. I used to just play around with his stuff. He's like, wow, you really want to learn. So he taught me. And it wasn't until one day at his gigs, I was just playing around on the decks before the party started. And... That's when, like, J-Hood and Natus walked in, and they were like, that was you? Wow, you're good. I was like, yeah. They were like, yeah, you should DJ. I was like, maybe. And that's when I would just go to bombard house parties and be like, yo, let me get on. I used to have my CD book with me. Like, yo, let me get on real quick. And they'll be like, okay. Like, what you about to do? I'm like, DJ. And then i kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I started. Yeah, but I wanted to ask, how has it been for you as kind of a almost lone female figure in such a male-dominated scene? In Jersey, I could say it was, at first it was kind of hard because none of the guys took me serious, especially because I was a dancer girl. They were just like, man, she'd just be partying. Like, and her boyfriend taught her, like, you know? Until I really started, like, out here trying to book or throw my own parties. In Jersey, I got a lot of respect. That's why I made an all-female street team. And I was surprised at the turnout. I was like, oh my gosh, all these little girls, like, you know, okay, cool. Like, this could be really a thing. Like, that's when I started to believe in myself more Jersey-wise. As far as going out, when I started branching off into New York, it was kind of tough because a lot of guys did not take me serious at all. They were just like, 
okay, like, so you about a DJ, huh? Well, let's see. I'm like, okay, we'll see. And yeah, just like that. But I've had um, some support just off the strength that I would travel with like Slink and Natus places because they're like, oh, okay, like, I see what Slink does and you do the same thing, cool, like, I'll check you out. It took a while, you know, because they were still like, okay, like, she's probably like one of their girlfriends or something. I started getting, you know, more and more cosigns because I just used to go by myself at sometimes. Like, I used to go off to Brooklyn. You know, just by myself with some shots, and then I'll be like, "Yeah, I'll just be in the corner, just watching or like dancing." And that's when somebody would come up to me like, "Hey, you're unique, right?" Or I would go up to the DJ and be like, "Yo, I like your set." They'd be like, "Thank you, you're unique, right?" And I'll be like, "Yo, how do these people know me? I don't know anybody here." So I used to just walk in not knowing anybody. Then I'd be like, "Bye, guys!" Like leaving the party, just networking and stuff. That's how like I really got out there because I was like, "I really want this." Have you seen more girls coming up through the scene in the last couple of years? Has there been an increased interest in getting involved in DJing and that side of things? A little bit in Jersey. We have K-Driz. We have Dana Lou, who's also a female DJ. She doesn't produce, though. I feel like it's something that's hard for girls to stick to, you know, to really dedicate, aside from just DJing, but, like, really learning how to produce, you know, just... Sitting in front of a computer sometimes and making something out of nothing is not like, it doesn't sound that fun, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and just because where I'm from, like, it's a lot of, like, teenage pregnancies, you know? So I'm just like, it's really hard for, I feel like, girls to really be like, okay, I'm going to do this and focus on this, because it's a lot of distractions. You know, like sometimes I have to, that's why I'm happy I don't live like in the heart of the city. I live like small town, like right on the borderline. So I'm kind of like distant myself from all that. But I was just focused. I'm like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> we should probably talk a bit about the kind of style, the substance of the music itself. Mm -hmm. If you were to explain to someone what the like key components of the sound are, what would you say? Okay, I always say that Jersey Club is like a can of Red Bull. It's so energetic. It definitely is for the dance, like for the dance floor. Like I said, we took our sounds from Baltimore, but we speeded it up a bit. How fast would you say on average? Baltimore Club is sometimes like 125, 130 BPM, and we're 130 to 135 BPM, but it's sped up to 140 at max. Some of these little kids be making like 145, and I'm just like, I can't. It's too fast for me. That's more like the new age of Philly Club to me. What made us stand out more than Baltimore Club, which was really popular, is that we had cleaner cuts because we used like different producer programs from them at the time. And we started using Sony Acid, and that program would allow you to make cleaner, you know, vocal chops. And we used to use acapellas and instrumentals. From my knowledge, Baltimore just used to try to make their own acapellas, which sounds a little bit dirtier, you know? Um, so that's what really set us apart from Baltimore. And we just got, you know, more clever as the time came along and adding, you know, our own little samples that we would find from different songs or just ourselves, you know, saying it into a mic. They have the infamous Brick Bandits Club kit. But as time went along, we would mix other genres into Jersey Club. So it wouldn't just be 
an original. It would be a remix of like a popular Rihanna song. And we would still like take the instrumental from like, say, if we did um, like Love Song, we would take another song that was in the same range of the BPM and put it to her acapella and still make it a club song. So it was just a big melting pot of different stuff. And we would remix hip hop songs. They remix Spanish songs now, you know? So it's really big remix culture, but we know how to make our own stuff too. I wanted to ask about the bed squeak. Oh yeah, infamous bed squeak. That was, that was for like the nasty songs back in the day. The people yeah. are still using the bed squeak now. Yeah, now yeah. they made it sound cute, but they used to be for like nasty songs. <laughs> like the nasty samples. Was there an original bed squeak track? You know what the sort of origins are? Um, yeah, it was the Trillville uncut song. Like, what it is, yo, what's up? Yeah, that song. That's where we got it from, the beginning. That's where that song derived from. So why were so many producers inspired to keep using this sound? Why was it such a thing? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Because the songs used to be nasty. So like, if the song used to be like, you know, put your pee on my D, like they used to be put the best squeaks on. Because that's how we used to dance. We called it giving rides. You know, like where you like dance on a boy. That was the thing for like a long time. Kids don't do it anymore. <laughs> Um, like they used to, but that used to be our motive. I'm going to go to the club tonight and I'm going to dance with him because I like him. And yeah, <laughs> we were some nasty little kids. That's why they used to try to ban like that dry humping at proms and stuff. Like, oh my gosh. If you were to ask someone in Europe, you know, like a house of techno DJ, or we're thinking about house and techno, like what makes a good DJ, I'm sure the answer would be very different if we're talking about Jersey Club. So things like using the microphone, like we don't have DJs here who really use the microphone. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to ask, like, in your view, what are the elements that go into making a great Jersey Club DJ? Okay. First, it would have to be, sometimes producers get more credit of being better DJs than um, just a regular person that is just strictly a DJ because they get to, you know, they get the benefit of being a DJ and playing their own tracks, you know? Um, that's what made... Brick Bandit so popular, Slink so popular, Tamil so popular that they could get booked not just, you know, off of their DJing skills, but their tracks. So I would say that was definitely a key factor. Definitely having control of the crowd. We were kids, sometimes we would get like, you know, short attention span. And when we used to make line dances, not everybody knew them. So we would have like key dancers that would, you know, come and like, I already know the dance, get in the middle of a circle or on top of, like, if there was, like, a little platform like there is here, like, get on top of the stage. The DJ will call out what you had to do. So definitely having crowd control and control, being a good talker, like a hype man on the mic, kind of bringing it back to that old school feel of, like, hip-hop where they used to have MCs that tell you what to do, except for club music. Yeah, and that was kind of hard for me to do at first. It just used to be real shy. And then little man had taught me a trick, like, don't look at the crowd. So when I talk, I don't look at y'all. I look at the back wall or something like that. Or I turn my head this way, that way. And now I know how to do it. I don't overdo it. Sometimes in Jersey, they overdo it. It's like, all right, shut up. Like, funk flex or something. Um, but, yeah, you know, just when it's necessary, you know, to hype in the crowd up. Because sometimes, you know, people get a little tired, you know, or distracted, like you want to keep them involved, 
Or sometimes I interact them on some funny junk, like, I see you going in over there, you know? Yeah, so definitely those two. I feel like aside from just scratching, which is more old school, we're definitely about mixing, you know, blending. So aside from just making two tracks, like blending the two together creates like a whole different track, you know? And I love to do that. And now since I've traveled, I do that with different genres of music as a whole. So I'll mix like a club music into a hip hop song, into like, you know, a Portuguese rap song, you know? Yeah, those top three. Tell us about some of the popular dances. So obviously this is a really key component of what, of what <laughs> yeah. we're discussing. Um, definitely the basics, like a two-step, you know. Some of our dances we got from the old house moves when, you know, back in the day when they'd have house music. I'm not sure if any of you guys are familiar with that song, Follow Me, mm. but that's pretty, like, infamous. It, it upgraded to, like, cookout music. They play it everywhere in the hood and in the summertime. Definitely a two-step. We have Sexy Walk, which is real popular, and now... They're even calling it out in different like line dances, like down south and in Detroit, you know, kind of like on some Soldier Boy type thing. Um, ride that wave, and you put your hand up and do like that. Yeah. That was really huge. It was on Hot 97. That was like the first club song to hit like mainstream radio. New Jersey doesn't have a channel, you know, so New York would never play club, like never. So that was like the first club song they played on the radio. So you're like, oh my gosh, like Jersey on Hot 97, you know? Do they play quite a bit of Jersey stuff now these they days? Do. Yeah, yeah. Now they do. Before they didn't. Like that was such a big deal. That was the first to set it off. That and swing that. That was like really big too. Yeah. I don't dance no more though. Sorry, I can't show you any moves. I was hoping you were going to show some moves. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you feel like the dancers get quite competitive is, is that oh, kind yeah. of an element of it yeah oh yeah so how how would that kind of you know go down especially with the street teams you know like my vixen dancers I used to always tell them like look they always have the boys at the forefront because the boys used to be the ones in the videos because it was all guy DJs so they'd have all boy dancers and I'm just like okay no so I always used to tell my girls like look y'all gonna go in the middle of the circle and battle the boys, or like if the boys try to take all the spotlight, like just go in there and like kill it, you know? But things got competitive. They used to have like little friendly battles. We used to have battles of the street teams where all the street teams used to come. And when it was cool, like it was like some high school spirit week crap, and, but it wasn't. Um, and we would like all wear like little street team tags, you know, that said our nicknames, or like all wear the same colors, stuff like that. And whatever street team could turn up the most, you know, like one, like, you know, some cash or something. Then they used to have dance battles at the parties, you know, where they would take time, okay, like this dancer from Brick Bandits versus this dancer from Team Little Man, like that. And they used to just battle in the crowd, but she was like, not him, not him, you know? So it used to get, it used to be nuts. It was fun though, and like soon, like, Things got super competitive. They started making YouTube videos of like, yeah, like Team Little Man's coming for like Brick Bandits, what's up? And they'd have like, like people would promote and be like, oh my gosh. Or they used to have dance battles downtown, like at the city, like we had this little waterfront thingy and we used to have dance battles there. It got nuts. It was fun though. It was so much fun. And I guess there's the... Uh spirit of you know competition in you know the production side of things as well because you had the uh the occasions with uh, the diss tracks right yeah I want where like those the younger guys are key. coming up and yeah yeah 
that's when people got started getting super creative, you know, like when a lot of places closed down in, in Newark, you know, it was like a little drought. You're like, damn, there's nowhere else to throw parties around here. So we started branching out, started going to Plainfield. That was like the next big city over, and that's where Slink is from. So Slink was like, oh, y'all coming in my town? Slink wasn't, Slink was living in Plainfield. He's from Newark, but he's living in Plainfield. He's like, y'all coming in my town? Like, trying to take my territory? Nah. So he would make diss tracks. They'd make diss tracks back at him. Diss tracks were really aggressive. Used to have like a lot of gunshot samples, like rap lyrics, you know, or, or like skits. Like super creative. Like I feel like it was way more creative than the Drake and Meek Mill beef. Like, you know? Um, but then it started to get too out of hand, of course, as things always do. But, you know, before then, like it was just like friendly competition. And it was like cool because it really made producers be creative in a different way. You know, like, damn, like, I really have to listen to the lyrics of this song to hear what he's saying, because it relates to, like, how I'm battling against him. You know, um, aside from just dance floor-focused line music or just, you know, dance music. But it made it fun. Like, everybody used to really come to the parties then, like, yo, Slink is battling Lil' Man tonight. We gotta go. Like, yeah. I'm going to tell my dad, pick me up early, though. I can't stay till the end because, you know, <laughs> nothing good ever happens at the end of a party sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could classify yourself as being part of a second generation, if you like. Yeah. Um, were you guys kind of interested in and focused on, like, differentiating yourself from, from the older guys and what came before in, like, particular ways, you know? What was your unique uh, flavor, if you like? Our vocal chops are better. Not better, I would say, but like more like, we used to really chop the crap out of songs. The vocal chops back in the day were more sim- were simpler, and, but now we really chop them up and we could even make it say something totally different than what the whole line says because of the way we chopped it up. Just a little bit more clever, a little bit more fast paced, and Jay, DJ J-Hood made um, what we call now booty bounce music. And that was like a different beat pattern from what Baltimore Club was, what Tamil and Dollar were using when they first started making club music. He made this new beat pattern, the boom, 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 boom. And ever since then, the game has changed. Yeah. So that was definitely like our distinction from them. And to talk a bit about um, your party, 135, is that right? Yeah. And then you've got other guys... Like there's uh, Thread, Club yeah, Jersey. Thread. These are parties that are still going, that's correct. Yeah. Thread is what started it all. Thread is created by Natus's collective, Natus and his friends. And he made it because as we grew older, we weren't teenagers no more. We were all like 20, 21. And that's when, you know, Natus had already went to Australia and Slink had already went to Europe. And they got just a dose of like, wow, we could really, you know, go out here and play Jersey Club, and they've been playing Jersey Club, because it wasn't until I went to Philly that, you know, Dirty South Joe, who is a part of, like, the first generation of Brick Bandits, but in Philly, with, he was, like, with Sega, and um, I did not know. Like, they were like, yeah, Club Cheval plays your stuff, and I'm just like, who's that? And they're like, oh, you know, Sam T from Paris, and I'm like, wait, Paris? No, they don't. Nah. And they're like, yeah, look. And then they showed me his mixtapes. I was like, that's crazy. 
Like, really? And I was like, and they're good, you know? Like, this is so cool. Yeah, so they made Thread based on, like, their experience traveling, and they call it Thread so that it's all the music, different genres threaded together into one, you know? That's why we DJ as we do now, with, like, just mixing different genres in there that inspire us or, you know, are Jersey Club influenced. And it was an underground party for Jersey. I would say that back in the day, I feel like we were kind of at raves, but we didn't know it, you know? But what we throw now is definitely like, I guess, a rave in Newark. And those aren't popular because it's like so many bottle service clubs or like top 40 clubs that just play everything that you hear on Hot 97 all day. And I'm just like, ah. You know, so we... Like, our crowd, our friends, you know, get exposed to different stuff that they wouldn't usually get to be exposed to. And I started throwing 135 because Thread died down a little bit. And I was just like, I still want to party. So, and my friends had a loft, and I was just like, yo, let me throw a party here. They're like, what you going to call it? I was like, I'm going to call it 135 because, like, that's my favorite BPM that I use as far as Jersey Club. But I play all different types of stuff, and... Flashback to when I used to practice my, you know, mixing. I used to go to this club called The Globe, and it was a gay club. And Mike Q used to DJ there before he became international. I didn't even know. Because they always used to come up to me like, Unique, you need to play beats. And I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Like, I just know this Vogue remix of Jersey Club, you know, like, or like Heartbroken. And I used to play that. But they're like, no, you need to play these beats by Mike Q. And that's how I got introduced to Mike Q. So I used to play at a gay club, and I felt like the gay community in Newark is very separated from the club kids and everybody else at parties. So that's what I wanted to make different about my party. I wanted my party to be more for everybody. Like, it could be people of different races and, you know, sexual preference. And I felt maybe because, you know, it's a lot of, like, gang member boys in Newark. So I felt like them, me being a girl, kind of made it more comfortable for them to come. You know, like, okay, like, we trust you need. Like, that's, that's my bitch, so we're going to come. And, yeah, so I would, like, mix Vogue music, they'll go off. And even some of the boys, the, the straight boys know how to, you know, shabam and all those moves, too, um, because we used to make Jay-Z Club remixes of them. So, yeah, those are the two, like, main underground parties. And it's a couple sprouting about every now and then. It just depends if we have a place to do it. Now we're starting to have more DIY places. Once they close the clubs down, we're like, we just got to make our own spot for us where we could do what we want to do. We don't have to be told to play this song or, you know. So, yeah, we just get home, homies loft. We upgraded from a basement now to, to lofts and warehouses. So. so there's quite a specific context connected to Jersey Club, you know, from the type of uh, parties to the dancers and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know how this is translated into your overseas gigs. How's the music being received? And, you know, have you at all been surprised by the way that the music's been received? Yeah. Sometimes it surprises me when people know the line dances. I think that's cute. Um, oh, that happens. Yeah. Yeah I, think. yeah. I think that's cool. Even though it's not something that I mainly focus on in my sets, um, as other DJs do back home, because that's mostly for, like, when we were younger, like, mostly for the kids. Like, we'll still bust out and do it if it comes on, but it's not, like, the focus, you know? Playing overseas, I've realized that it's, like, not such a big cell phone culture here, which I love. You know, nobody's on Snapchat the whole party or tweeting about how popping the party is. They're actually enjoying the party. So I love it. And it reminds me of when I used to party because I was just strictly like, yeah, I'll hit you. If I see y'all, 
while we get a water, that's cool, but you know, just meet outside at 10 o'clock when the party's over or something like that. So I'm just focused on the dance floor. I just want people to dance how they dance, express themselves, because that's what you go to a party for. And traveling about, I've just picked up on new sounds. I put them into my sets too. Yeah, it's been a great response though. I played Jay-Z Club in some places I never even expected to go in my life. And sometimes for big festivals, um, I'll bring my dancers with me. And most of the time they just freestyle. I have a, a Jersey Vogue dancer and it's a girl. And then I have a boy that's pop locking and knows Jersey Club dances as well. And they do have some routines, you know, just to still have that element in there. Because some places I go, some people have never been exposed to Jersey Club. So I don't want to, sometimes it's a lot to take in. So I'm just like, I don't want to overwhelm you guys, you know. But yeah, for the most part, I just have my dancers there to hype them up. So um, as things have kind of gone international, this topic of appropriation yeah. seems, to, seems to be coming up increasingly. So you've got a situation where you've got guys in Europe who you know, presumably have no connection uh, to your scene and you know, to where you come from who are you know, having success off the back of this, of this template. How do you respond to that? I mean, how does that make you feel? When the appropriation thing just started happening, it was maybe about like a year and some ago. What was crazy is because at first we didn't realize it was happening. We thought it was cool. You know, I'm just like, oh, I think that's so cool. Now they're just making Jersey Club everywhere because like we inspire them. This is awesome, which is still awesome. I don't think anybody should have to be obligated to make one, genre, one type of music just because where they're from. You know, like I still branch off and make different genres too. Um, just like I play other genres. But it was the way that it was happening that we realized, like, nah, there's something wrong. First, they would wear masks to hide their identity. And the reason of them doing that is because they were somebody else that was already situated, you know, being known for their music. And what was messed up about it is that they already had you know, managers and PR and a whole team and a whole deal, you know, and money to put behind this project of their new identity, this person, the club producer, Jersey club producer, you know, and the music was good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock them for that, but it was just the fact that they were just doing it as, aside from doing it as a hobby, like they were trying to make a, a whole, you know, business out of it. And I feel like if you're going to, if you enjoy making a type of music, like, you should be open to express that. Like, why hide yourself behind a mask like you're ashamed, you know, to make something that you like to do? And then there's, like, Nork is not the nicest neighborhood. A lot of the kids that make Jersey Club, aside from just the second generation, there's still, like, 13, 14-year-olds that make it and that are really good that don't have what that person had. And they were getting a lot of credit compared to you know, helping kids get opportunity too, which they could have did. So yeah, it was kind of like a messed up situation. Like it, it made a lot of kids like lose hope. Like, oh, this is not fair. Like, you know, like they're out here, you know, and they're getting all this credit, more credit. They got even more credit than, you know, Slink and like Nadison. They were like the two main ones doing it at the time. So it was kind of just like, damn, like <laughs> it just made a lot of kids lose hope. It was really upsetting, and it still hasn't stopped. But I mean, I just realized over time that every genre gets appropriated, so it's just something you have to deal with. And 
for my personal, you know, reasons, I just always told myself, like, don't be bitter, be better, you know, because, I mean, you could talk about it and you could get, you could be mad, but it's not going to stop them. It's not going to do anything about it. Like, you know, so I was just like, let me just be the better person, keep doing what I'm doing and like put myself out here so I could have those things, you know. Um, and that's the advice I used to give to anybody that used to come to me. Like, you know, well, just go out there and promote yourself. Like, it'll happen, you know? Like, especially because they're masked, I feel like you lose that connection with them. Sometimes the reason why people mask themselves is because they don't want the focus to be on them. They want the focus to be about the music. For them, it wasn't that case. But I feel like when the person isn't from Jersey, you do hear a little difference. It's not as authentic. I don't know, you don't really relate with that person because they don't have a story behind it. You know, like they wouldn't be up here talking to you guys about like what I'm talking to you guys about. So that's how I felt about the whole situation. I was like, it'll pass. You know, it happens to everything. It happens to every genre, you know. And yeah, sometimes if it got that popular that fast, it'll go away just as fast sometimes, you know, depending on, you know, the artist that's doing it. But yeah. Have you formed any ties with producers in Europe? Has it been like a culture exchange situation Mm -hmm. you see yourself collaborating with people in the future potentially yeah i actually have some tracks with some guys a couple of people that i was working on from europe and um just different parts of the world some of it's jersey some of it's you know jersey club influenced you know just to keep myself well-rounded i was always a musician so that's how I see myself, not just as like a club producer, like I'm a music artist. You know, Jersey Club is just my signature sound. Just to not put myself in a box, because that's really hard to do with dance music. People love categories. So, yeah, is, is this your next upcoming project? Yeah. I've been working on my vocal cuts more because that's what I used to do before I got into DJ. I used to make, used to be making drops for everybody because they like, I like your voice. So I used to make drops for everybody, but I want to get back into that artist side of myself like when I used to do like off-Broadway plays and like singing like rap on the side so I do that over my songs which makes me different I always say that I feel like Natus is the softer side of Jersey Club because he makes very like soulful ambient Jersey Club because he also makes juke you know I always say slink is like the real height <sighs> trap hip-hop side and I always say I'm the voice because I talk so much on my tracks so yeah, I definitely want to get into that. And just because there aren't that many girls making, I feel like there's not enough females hyping up girls on club tracks. It's always a guy, you know? And especially with club music, it's not that many girls my age doing it anymore. They're all kind of older, like the Santi Golds and the MIAs. So I want to do that except for Jersey Club. So that's my plan. That's what I've been working on. And I've got some tracks coming soon, you know? All my remixes now, I put a verse in there, you know? So it's just like different. Just trying to make it more appealing to somebody that may not go to the club all the time, you know? So, yeah. So I was on YouTube earlier, noticed the uh, Team Lil Man anthem um, has reached 16 million plays on YouTube. That's amazing. Do you think Jersey Club is at a high point at this point in time? Not and, yet. And can it go further is really what I wanted to ask. Okay, first let me say I'm super proud because we first started making our music videos at somebody's house in front of a white wall with four dancers and, like, the dude Frosty saying, like, let's go to the left, to the right. You know, just some real homemade shit. And 
Now, like, we got camera crew with the dancers, and it hit 16 mil on YouTube. Like, that's crazy to me, because we were really, I used to be the camera girl for my music videos. Like, I used to be like, you know? <laughs> like, okay, next, like, okay, more energy, you know? So, I feel like we've definitely come a long way, which is something that I felt like Jersey Club was missing from Baltimore, because Baltimore had their music videos on deck, um, and we really didn't. So, I don't feel like it's at an all-time high yet, just because the second generation, we really haven't released any projects yet because we were, we got more, I guess, attention at an early start before we were even ready to, you know? Like, I've traveled to Europe and I haven't even put out a proper EP yet. Slink still has yet to release his second EP. The first EP he put out was like four years ago, you know? And Vibrate still knocks to this day. So I feel like, no, not yet. It's getting there. We just had to get used to, like, I guess, the industry side of things because, you know, with all good businesses, that's what you got to do. And it's still kind of hard because I still don't know. It's still learning as we go, kind of, you know, go with the flow type thing. But, yeah, I feel like maybe next year will be, like, the highlight, especially because people are still getting familiar with what Jersey Club is. So I feel like now since people know and are getting an idea of what Jersey Club is and what it's about and where it's from, Next year, when all the pro when everybody you know actually puts out their original bodies of music, it's gonna be ridiculous. And especially because we all have different styles and we've grew as producers since then, you know. Do we have any audience questions at this point? Okay. Hi. You've mentioned uh, clubs closing a couple of times, and you mentioned a curfew. I was wondering, like, is it harder now putting on parties back at home, um, and what kind of effect? That has on the scene, I suppose, like how easy it is to kind of keep the scene moving at home? Um, there's a lot of clubs now, you know, um, like I said, most of the, some of them are top 40, they still play club music, but they're mostly based around like top 40. Now, since we have like more DIY spots, like we throw parties any chance we get, and they're just not, you know, there'll be parties, like I throw a party every chance I get when I'm home, same with Natus. Sometimes it'll just be events and they'll just have like, you know, a they'll have different DJs at the event. Like it'll be an art gallery and event and they'll have like, oh, this DJ and then like a Jersey Club DJ, you know. So they're starting to, I feel like now since they are starting to get more in key with our generation and what we're doing artistically, they're giving us more chances to actually, you know, introduce the community to what we're doing. Like we have block parties now and like little music festivals in the summer. And now I start to have more and more kids come up to me like, oh yeah, like, oh my gosh, I'm not proud of you, you're out here. And I'm like, wow, like I haven't had this since like I was a kid, you know, and I'd just be out here locally. So yeah, definitely with the warehouses and the clubs and just buying our own property now and making it what we want to be. I'm a massive Nicki Minaj fan, and uh, Boss Ass Bitch and the Pickle Juice Speech, like two of my favorite Nicki things. I was like screaming when I heard your remix. Um, <laughs> uh, you said that it was like a statement, not a club track. I'm wondering if you wanted to talk about it. Wait, what track again? The Boss Ass Bitch remix. Okay, yeah. First, when I heard the song, I just liked it. I was like, this is cute. And then when Nicki hopped on, I was like, yes, Nicki. You know, because she went off, and I haven't heard that side of Nicki Minaj in a long time since she went like pop. That was personally one of my favorite interviews by her because it was so relatable. And that's one thing I always admired about Nikki is that she's like kind of like a, a self-made, you know, artist. Like you really saw her grow 
and promote herself through YouTube and travel here and travel there. And sometimes with female rappers nowadays, you don't see a lot of that. You know, you just see these girls pop up out of nowhere because they look cute. So I felt Nikki on that. And I was just like, this would be good to put in the track. And I feel like nobody does that. When I used to start going to Ghetto Goth, Venus X, who's like a mentor to me, she would always like just play a, like a very instrumental track and like, you know, put a news clip in there of like the latest news clip of what's going on in the world. And I was like, that's cool. I should do that on a Jersey Club track. So, yeah. It was funny because when I made that track, I forgot to save it. So the whole thing had deleted. So I had to do it all over again. And those chops were serious. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I was like, I can't believe I didn't save it. So, yeah, I made that track twice, actually. And I was like real over it. Like the second time I was like, but I'm going to do it. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been great. Yeah.